0: Peace. Welcome to another episode of Sex on Shuffle. I am your host, Cindy Lee, your succulent sexologist. Deal with the teachable moments so that you can live your best life and stay ready. On this episode, I have my longtime homie, sexuality professional, marriage and family therapist, Dr. Erica Evans-Weaver. We talk a little bit about the magic that she brings into this world and our love of horror and our two cents, five cents around Candyman. As with my previous episodes, particularly the interviews they are two-parters because they're a little bit longer than when it's just me and you. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to take a screenshot and tag me at Cindy Lee Alves on Instagram. And yeah, on with the show. My beloved, my love, the hearts of blessings. <laughs> I am so excited to be on call, even though we just hung out and spoke but now was a time. and I feel like but that's my private stock so I feel like I'll share a little right because people need to that's how we share that's community right, right? we share magic and knowledge right but you know I'm stingy a little so I, I needed to have you first <laughs> you, you could understand that I, yeah. the only child in me yeah yes so welcome, I want you to introduce yourself because I'm just going to make you blush and talk to me, tell the listeners who you are and what is your magic, whatever that means for you today. Okay, so we all know I'm not going to use honorifics, <laughs> right? Honorifics. Mm. I go by Erica. Some people know me as Dr. Mom. Mm. Um. What's my magic today? I don't know. My magic is that I smell like a, la- a field of lavender right mm. now. Okay, so that let's start there. Sexy. Um, mm-hmm. um, and that I'm in a really good head writing space today. Mm. I think I've had a couple consultations with potential new clients. I have my candles lit, my incense burning. It's a beautiful day on both sides of the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my headspace today is one of clarity. So my mm. magic is to be able to engage with others with intentionality mm-hmm. um, and clearness. There's a knowledge that I feel like I'm able to share today. Mm. So, yeah. And we are blessed to, to have a little bit of that Friday. Yes. Sun kissed goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should be at the beach. Mm. That's next. We get to a part two. I mean, you're gonna come back. You could do part two on the beach. We could do part two on the beach. Yes. That we don't need any reason. So uh, this is my beach boo. So like, if I'm somewhere sunny, nine, ten, eleven times out of ten, I'm I'm probably with Erica. Erica is a lover of of beaches. Mm -hmm. she's a lover of a lot of things and a lover and an expert of loverness even though she will not you know she's humble i will not say that she's humble i know i think that i have um a deeper knowledge so whenever clients call and they're like, oh, so what's your expertise? I'm like, well, my expertise is on this theory, <laughs> but you are the expert in your life. Mm. I am a facilitator to ask informed, thoughtful questions to help you get from point A to point B mm-hmm. because you know yourself best. So that's more. Am I an expert? No, I'm an expert on me, maybe. Mm. Some people don't get that. Some people don't have the opportunity to get that, or are you know distracting themselves from that. Well, it's so hard work. It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And as soon as you're an expert, it's hold on, you got a, a well lot, a different you need level. To be accountable, right? right? Like, all right, if you're gonna sit in that expert spot, cool, cool. But now you need to be accountable because yeah, when you up, then you should know why you did it, right? Or at least be able to tap into something. For you to do better and be better. Right. And the expertise evolves, right? Because as right. soon as you think you got it all, hold on, here's this lovely new nugget or nuance. <laughs> the blind spots yeah. that always connected to, those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes. I um where is my book? I'm right now rereading Holly mm. <clears throat> because I'm like, oh, I feel like there is a blind spot emerging. Hmm. And I want to ask myself some questions. So let's look at. I'm reading Polysecure again and attached. Mm, okay. Because um, I'm like, all right, let's let's look at your relationship with attachment and what secure attachment means to you and mm-hmm. the impact it has on your interpersonal relationships. And where are you falling down, so that you can get back up? Mhm. And the the levels of how it impacts the relationship, the family dynamic, but then and or your own sexuality. Yeah. Cuz it's not just how we attach to one another in like a romantic setting or familial, but yeah. it has a great impact in how you view yourself and your pleasure in all the domain. Absolutely. It's multifaceted for sure. And I'm in the midst of reevaluating relationships across the board. And so I'm like, all right, what does that mean? Because I I think that it so something that I am reconciling as a non-monogamous person mm-hmm. in a relationship with a monogamous person mm-hmm. is that I have also I think that I would freely be a relationship anarchist except that I'm in a relationship I'm married to a monogamous person Mm. and so while I see all of my relationships I don't I don't really play the hierarchy game with my relationships whether they are platonic or romantic Mm -hmm. I know that my partner does and and respect to that, if we are going to dance in harmony, mm-hmm. if you will, right? Like I have to, I don't have to, I am choosing to um, respect the, the nuances of that dance, right? But that also requires me to really dig deep into the energy expenditure of my relationships across the board mm. and what does that mean? And what, how was, is this like an initial onset to the relationship that you have about your identity as someone who's non monogamous? Was it something like in a transition? And if so, like the, how was that transition? Um. So I came into my marriage non-monogamous, mm-hmm. but I certainly, I sat with, the ongoing narrative from folks around me that monogamy was what I was supposed to be, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I met Joe, I knew that I loved him. And it's interesting because I didn't feel the need to date other people. So I fell into the, oh, well, if I'm not feeling that urge right now, this must be, what people are referring to. And then I must be monogamous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Except that non-monogamous people go through periods of not wanting to date, mm-hmm. but that wasn't, that wasn't a part of my dialogue because I didn't know any other non-monogamous folks. Right. So, um, I will absolutely say I succumbed to the societal pressures of monogamy because I thought that was what I was supposed to do at that time of my life. Mm-hmm. And then, years into the relationship, I was like, "I, I still want this person, but I can't do this thing anymore." Mm. And so we had to have lots and lots and lots of conversations. Um, and I def I, I, I continue to struggle with feeling like. Damn, I, you know, did I misrepresent myself or Mm -hmm. did I sell you a package of who I am and that's not who I am? Mm -hmm. Right. Like. But I do consistent check ins. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to create as much space as possible because I know this is not this isn't the life that he set out for. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when you're, I would argue, when you're talking about marriage in general, or any long-term relationship, doesn't even have to be marriage. Um, because I think we put too much of a gold standard and pressure on marriage and date um um, just relationships, committed relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say for any committed relationship, you don't know about the evolution of the individual. Or the couple as a whole, like you, we don't have that sort of crystal ball to know. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece of the puzzle too. Right, like it's cute to have these plans or these understandings or try to have some type of agreements, but things will shift. We'll need check-ins constantly in a relationship. You're supposed to change. Correct. Like If, if you're supposed, if you expect to be the same person at forty that you were at twenty. And if you actually are the same person at forty that you are at twenty, I mean, I would say do some self-assessment mm-hmm. because I I don't think that you should be the same person. I mean, you can be the same person, sure, but you might be shortchanging yourself in some really major ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, growth and change is a part of the deal. In reality, we just we think that we can plan out what that growth, change, and evolution is going to look like. And the reality is you can't. hmm Absolutely. So then bringing it back to the present, right? Since we can't foresee things and we have to stay present and navigate our relationship dynamics as as we move, what are some of the challenges or some of the ease that you have found in trying to navigate non-monogamy with a monogamous partner Hmm. I think the challenge is explaining the ability to love in this dynamic fashion Mm -hmm. like it's It's interesting because I think people can understand how you can love multiple children if Mm -hmm. you have multiple children, but how do you be in love with multiple people at the same time? Right. Right. Is somebody being shortchanged? It always comes back to shortchange. Fucking insecurity is, and comparison is the thief of joy. Absolutely. So it's, you know, well, what is it about them? What am I not giving you? Right. And it's, it's all of that. Um, internal ugliness that Mm -hmm. sometimes we can harbor um, that arguably insecurities are a part of life, right? You just need to check them when they happen, where are they coming from, what it's about, what's happening, all that. So it's not that we should live life without them, but recognize when it's happening. And it's in my relationship, I should say, just I can't say for everybody, but it's Mm -hmm. making sure that you understand or that he understands um, my attraction and love for you is because of you. Mm -hmm. But who I like elsewhere is also because of them. There there isn't a comparison. It isn't a, oh, you don't provide that. So I'm going to go get it from somebody else. I am getting something different Mm. from somebody else. But it's not because I'm also seeking for you to bring it. So I'm not using it as a, oh, I'm going to get this. And then you're going to get jealous. And now you're going to step up your game Mm -hmm. this way. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not who you are. I would never, I'm accepting you for you. Right. And I love you for you. So you do you. But this other person does this other thing. And that's hella fun too. And so I appreciate them for them. Right, and and then you start unpacking the layers of conditioning that we have around romantic relationships, because in no other fashion, like you just said, we can love a, a, a multiple kids. Right. Whether or not you have a favorite, that's another conversation. But we have the capacity to have family members and cousins, homies and love them in different ways and honor that. And I think that it's making me also think of the conditioning around prioritizing a romantic relationship. Yes. And not honoring your your kinships. Right. Your, Your platonic relationships. Well, and that's why I say like I, I think if I'm if. Joe weren't monogamous, I would likely be a relationship anarchist because mm-hmm. my friendships are equally as important to me mm-hmm. as my romantic relationships. They give me just as much life in a completely different way as my romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And I honor them in that same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have different weights. I mean, the same way, but in different capacities, right? Like, it's interesting because, you know, Tanisha Tanisha initially monogamous as well, right? Like, but under the guise of, like, she's not having that language. So Mm -hmm. when we started talking about it, she was like, oh, well, that just, that makes sense to me. And that just makes me. Dislike cheaters more, right? So, like, that's even shittier because there is options of us to be able to have multiple relationships given communication, depending on how we navigate. Because socially, cheating is more acceptable. Right. What kind of world are we living in where, oh, so stepping out without any heads up or agreements, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But me telling you, All the ways that I love elicits a hell of a large response of what's going on. Like, that's foolery. Mm Mm-hmm. And and tie other, like, socially accepted trash things, right? Like, the way that we gender that. Because all my life it was... Men already they always have chios, right? Like they always have side bitches, very oh, ego centric, yeah. but it's always like it's oh, a yeah. given, very boys will be boys kind of dynamic. Um that's no reason to end a relationship like right. we're just doing them. Right. Come on. <laughs> like, and I feel like you y'all really don't it it makes me think of the folks that continuously like oh that's not what happened back in the day but i'm like no but back in the day there's some stories around like even despite having to uh rely more in your like relationship dynamic if you're hetero right to your husband yeah. there were still people that were like i don't know he disappeared my aunt was married and then she wasn't right like there were still ways to navigate like, across the, uh, the other side of town right and we know but we just don't talk or acknowledge it because, you know, things happen. Do they? Do things happen? Tell me, how do things happen? It's the stories have evolved. But like the same kind of things are happening. And yes. I just find it interesting when people are like, oh, these days versus back then. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's it might have different names. It might be on Twitter now. But like, shit. It's how we have been conditioned to believe relationships and attachment to be it's the should, this is how it should be. Right. This is how it ought to be. Okay. What do you have control over it being right? I mean, and that's a whole other, other conversation then, like, but I think it's good to bring up that lived experience because there's so many folks that make assumptions that if you're, if you're, for someone who's newly interested in non-monogamy and feels like they can't because their other side of their relationship dynamic doesn't have those same beliefs. But there's ways that we can still navigate that. And that may not work for everyone or may not, you know, it, it's all right. about consent. The first thing you said, it was hella conversations involved. Lots right? of conversations. And I was scared as fuck that I was like, what, what are you going to do if he goes, no, nah, I can't do it. Right. Like, then what? what are you going to do Mm -hmm. it just happened at a time where i was willing to take that gamble because i needed it was really i was at a developmental stage where i was stepping into what it meant to me to authentically live as myself Mm. um and that was i mean i'm still on that journey <clears throat> but I recognized that for a number of years, I played a role according to other people's needs and expectations of mm. me. And I don't regret any of it. Like They were all necessary life experiences. Mm. And I also got to a point where I genuinely asked myself, what would it mean if I lived out loud for me. Mm-hmm. Especially the amount of folks that you probably have held space and supported and facilitated, right? Professionally and personally, right? But like that you are the person that that stewards that for so many folks or support supports folks on their journeys. And what it looks like that even amongst that or having the knowledge of all these things, because you were interested yeah in And taking in non monogamous clients like before this was a thing in your relationship dynamic, right. right, like oh yeah, and how it's we're human too, like even as professionals, healing professionals, Absolutely. helping professionals, we have our own journeys while supporting and having that expertise. I was working with people, I had clients, I would talk about it in class,, mm-hmm. and it was it was such a It's that internal voice that you can hear, like it's quiet, sometimes it's loud, depending. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can remember whenever I would teach about it or I would have clients and I'm encouraging them to live out loud, and I'm encouraging other people, like, yes, this is okay, and this is what it looks like, and blah blah blah. (laughs) Like, bitch, bitch. What you doing with your life, then? What you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, is this how it's supposed to be done? And why the fucking you doing it, right? Like <laughs> tap tap tap. Like, <laughs> oh, is today your day? Is is today the day? Oh, okay. No, it's for everybody else. Got it. Noted. Right. Like, yeah, good times. And how 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 is it to navigate both navigate? continuing to be the awesome doing all the things person that you've been right that has gotten you where you are right, right? this beautiful person and this uh, magnetic helper of people and now let's add this other task because sometimes it feels like a task like it's good oh, healing is important but that feels like an extra here's another one right oh my God, here's parenting here let's here's some new new upgrades come here Oh, so good. So, so good. I, um, I, so I guess it was in the, at the beginning of the pandemic or maybe middle and I got interviewed for the Lily and it was talking about like, <clears throat> how are our therapists, hang, you know, how are we hanging during all of this? Mm-hmm. And I spoke very candidly about, yeah, I would, I would burst out in tears or I would have massive panic attacks and, mm-hmm. you know, going into a supermarket because I like, is this dangerous? Am I bringing something home to my family? Like mm-hmm. what is going on? While, you know, having to use all of my own skills to reduce my anxiety and get through and all of that kind of good stuff. And um, I, for people who read the article, they were like, why didn't you ever say anything? Like if you were having such anxiety, like we would take care of you. Like, what do you need? Yeah. Do you need? And I said, I, I have, I have never given people permission to take care of me in that mm-hmm. way because mm-hmm. I have, it feels like, um having that sort of, glimpse into not my dysfunction but my humanity Mm. that sort of glimpse into my humanity I would never want to undercut who I am as a professional because my who I am as Dr. Erica Mm -hmm. is my livelihood right so I need everybody friend foe lover right like everybody I need you to trust me and my vocation if you will I said, but to be clear, this is not the first time that I've had massive anxiety Mm. and, you know, depressive episodes and all of that, because that self-work is hella hard. Mm. It's And it can take you into some very dark paths when you don't know what the outcome is going to be, or it's looking a little rocky up ahead Mm -hmm. girl right like so there were definitely some moments where i would just sit (laughs) like all right we need to be still Mm -hmm. just be still for a minute and get your life together (laughs) there is a spiral afoot and you got to keep your shit together um and then there were other days where I was like, okay, we have a handle. We're good. We're good. Honestly, I cannot, I cannot thank Joe enough for being the human being that he is mm-hmm. for being able to receive who I am. Mm-hmm. Cause another person may not have taken it in the same way. Mm-hmm. And my family, which is so important to me, could have gone helter skelter, right? Yeah. Now. So, um, his ability to also sit in stillness and engage in thoughtful reflection, um, was a very positive, uh, contributor to creating the space that I needed in order to figure out what did my 2.0 version of me really want to look like. Mhm. Do it without him either. Mm. Like a, it, it feels like um how to like a cooperation, right? How to collaboratively do this in a way that we are still centering ourselves as individuals and the relationship dynamic. What does it look like yes. to, to care for those and care yes. for that other layer of both of you being parents, right? Like having that part of that family system adds that other level. Yes. And centering that. like, Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, stability has to be centered for the small and human. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's, I like, it's not that there wasn't a choice, but I I was not going to choose dissent and uh, chaos when I'm trying to, especially a boy, a person Mm -hmm. who identifies as a boy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, to me, this is, (laughs) for folks who knew, when I was pregnant, I, I thought I was having a girl, mm-hmm. right? So I had this whole women who run wild with wolves mm-hmm. in my head of, um, you know, the matriarch and just generations of womanhood and blah, blah. And the universe said, no, 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 no. We're going to give you a boy. We got we- you a project. Right, we think that you need to understand masculinity in a whole different way. Mm. What the fuck, boy? (laughs) What? I don't. I think that you're wrong. I don't think that's right. I don't think I should be raising anybody's boy. Um, But it it has become a oh no 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 this is an opportunity this is Mm. an opportunity for you to experience masculinity in a different way to understand it in a different way. And to have a hand in what it looks like in the world in a different way. Right. So knowing that, feeling that, embracing that, I <laughs> this is this, this is the marathon. Mm-hmm. I wasn't talking about that marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's such a it's interesting to be able to understand that there's multiple balances that are important to you. Like, yes, your needs and your wants around your individual and centering yourself more. And I'm sure that includes like your joy and your pleasure, right? Like things that feel good for you, the person. And right. ain't nothing coming between me and this my family and my tiny human, like right. so navigating this multiple scales. <laughs> like right don't play and i can do things that feel good for me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and being the sexuality professional that you are and being like oh shit i wasn't prepared to have this masculinity star in house how has parenting or um tackling gender And or gender expansiveness in a world that I'm sure is not like, hey, we're doing, you know, young people stars here. And hey, we're like, so. Yeah, it has been. It has been fun. I mean, again, I appreciate that Joe does not subscribe to hyper math and scripts. Right. Like. (laughs) <laughs> that helps mm-hmm. You know, at his core. He is a singer songwriter in his mm-hmm. spirit. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I think that that again, and how we talked about what it would be like to raise the small human. We were very much on the same page about from how we, what colors we paint in his room to the colors that he wore to the messages that were on his clothes, the toys that we bought, the shows that he watched. Yeah. I mean, certainly, we can all question my parenting and how I exposed him to her at a very (laughs) young age. There is no doubt that that might be questionable for some people, but I would also argue that his Ghostbuster phase starting at age three also kept him from thinking that there were ghosts under his bed because mm. he was able to attack them with his ghostbuster. Proton gun. Proton gun. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we were able to avoid a lot of things that other people have to contend with. But um, you know, the the cooking, right? And making sure that he understood that food can be an expression of love and you know that there's a tenderness with that and it it is a loving communication and how important it is to be able to communicate love Mm. how important it is to be able to tap into your emotions beyond just i'm happy i'm sad and i'm angry Mm. right like but seeing the feelings wheel and understanding that emotions are complicated and mm-hmm. often they are on top of one another and and that it's okay to express them right like it's okay to say i need a minute cuz i need to process or i need a minute because this is feeling too overwhelming or i i just i need some quiet time mm-hmm. <laughs> right like you don't have to fight it out mm-hmm fighting it out solves what exactly right and so not really focusing on competition mm. um, with other people right because again i i as a person who joe is actually not the competitive one i'm the competitive one. <laughs> and you know, while it has certainly been helpful, at the same time, it's also been fucking exhausting. Yeah. And so recognizing that you don't have to compare again because it's the piece of joy, I say it all day, but you don't have to compare and compete with others. You just need to try and work on yourself. Mm. If you want to best somebody, best yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay? Recognize you don't have to look back, just keep looking forward and bring anybody who is behind you, bring them with you. So mm-hmm. right? um, I think it's it's been great at um dismantling negative masculine messages that I often see mm-hmm. and able to reconstruct them in a really positive way for a new generation because i love when his friends come over mm-hmm. and their parents co-sign they're like oh if she wants to have a conversation with y'all go right on ahead <laughs> being able to have those conversations with multiple you know male presenting youth mm-hmm. it's not definitely what i didn't think i would be doing with my life time right but here we are. Well, and, and I think that's a good segue. What What did you think you were doing? Like, How did you get into being who you are as this clinician, this amazing sexuality professional? What got you in this lane then? And is this how you, if you didn't envision it, what was the vision? No, the original vision. So my first <laughs> job... <laughs> My first job was as a translator mm. in French and Spanish for an internet music company. Because again, I am old enough that I was at the dawn of the internet. <laughs> so, <laughs> the dawn. Um, at <laughs> the dawn. So I worked for a music company, and I translated um, some of their content, mm-hmm. um, particularly for their films when they started weaving films into the site. But then they wanted to weave in adult films mm-hmm. and nobody was really interested. And I was like, well, I'll watch it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how I'm going to translate it, but I'll watch it All and right. we can talk about it. Hey, y'all. I wanted to poke my head in and give a really quick shout out to Aaron Brown and Marty Greeneyes for being my first members on my Buy Me a Coffee page. If you want to join them and become a member yourself or simply want to send me a love offering, check out www.buymeacoffee.com slash shimmies, S-H-I-M-M-I-E-S. Take a look at the tiers. See what works best for you. And regardless, you as a listener, you checking out Buy Me A Coffee, you sharing it. I thank you. I thank you for supporting. Thank you for this Energetic exchange and may the money you spend return to you times 10. And after and it was vivid, vivid video. God damn, they sent so many films. Mm -hmm. And after every film, I was like, what is this foolishness? Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and so then I reached out to other women and started a website called Pink Box Press. Because a couple of my friends at at the uh, website were like, "Oh, if you want to, if you'll give us porn, we will help you code and create a website." And I was like, "Oh, that, yeah." Because we'll help you do anything if you give them porn. Historically, write that down, everyone. (laughs) It was it was just well, that was back in the day. (laughs) I don't know about now. I don't know about now. Um. And so they were kind enough to create the site and do all the back end technical stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. women were like, really, really responsive so- to these conversations about porn for women.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, there was, again, at that time, there wasn't a lot of feminist porn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, um, you had to, directors that I could think of at the time, but it just it really wasn't a lot and when the company was going under i needed to figure out what i wanted to do with my life mm-hmm. and i was like oh, i could talk about sex with people like this is actually kind of fun mm-hmm. but then i found in order for me to be a sex therapist i needed to have a master's and something that i did not have a master's in mm-hmm. So I decided to go back for marriage and family therapy, but I always was focused on, I'm only doing that in order to do this. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up. I didn't even expect to go to Widener. I thought I was still going to be going to UPenn because at the time that's where the program still was. Right. And by the time I got out from LaSalle with the MFT, it had Mm -hmm. already transitioned to Widener. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got to Widener. Right, because we got in together in 06 and we were, I think we were like right after the pillow phase, right? Right, right. So we didn't, we had actual classrooms on Widener's campus and before we were hearing lots of stories of pillows right. and sitting on the right. floor. Uh, the Although I feel like, you know, we had a little bit of that. Yeah. And snacks. cuddle parties and yeah. snacks than all of that for sure. The culture, that culture was still very present at Widener mm-hmm. in the in the beginning days. Yes. Um so then all right that was part one. Let me know what you think. If you want to take a listen to part two, head on over to your favorite podcast platform or you can check out my website, CindyLeeAlves.com, where you can find the podcast, pod notes and any other goodies if you're looking for me and the magic that I bring. Uh, Take care. Stay great. shimmies.